Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. We are continuing our spotlight on cardiac athletes. Lars Andrews, who was a guest on Heart to Heart with Anna, wrote a book called Cardiac Athletes. He is now gearing up to assemble Cardiac Athletes 2, featuring stories about athletes who have undergone cardiac procedures. Some of the athletes were born with congenital heart defects and some had acquired heart disease. I've been enjoying interviewing some of the athletes who will be featured in the book. And today, we'll be meeting Greg Bassett. So welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Greg. Thank you, Anna. I'm interested to hear about your cardiac condition, Greg. Okay. Well, I never knew I had a cardiac condition until I started into endurance sports. I was uh, an avid cyclist, and some friends decided it would be a good idea to do triathlon and multi-sport type athletics and events. And I figured if I was going to do that, I should probably get myself to a doctor and get checked out. So I saw a new physician. My older physician wasn't too up on all the wheres and what fors of endurance sports. So I saw a new doctor who was a sports medicine specialist. And during a routine physical, he said, did anybody ever tell you you have a heart murmur? And I was quite surprised. I said, no, yeah, no, I never knew that. And he goes, yeah, I got a, sounds like a slight heart murmur. Do you have a cardiologist? And I said, no, I was in my early 40s. I'm like, I don't have any history of this. And why would I need a cardiologist? So I got myself to a cardiologist who did all the tests. And with an echocardiogram came back, he says, yes, you have a mitral valve leak. I'm like, okay. What does that mean? He goes, well, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get better on its own. Eventually, you'll need to get this taken care of. (laughs) And I was like, I was okay. So what does that mean? He goes, it'll take time. We'll monitor it. But the important thing he said is don't stop doing what you're doing. I was training for endurance cycling events. I wasn't competing in races or anything yet. I was getting ready to do my first Ironman triathlon about that time. And he's like, you're healthy. If you have any symptoms, please let me know. But other than that, keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, okay. So I merrily went along my way, kind of in the back of my head, always knew I had this thing going on, but it never had any issues. So I had no symptoms. I had no problems. Years went by. And in the late summer of 2015, I was back to my position for a routine physical and he listened to it and he said, I think that heart murmur has gotten worse. First of all, I was stunned that he could even detect that only seeing him year to year and he probably sees you know, a thousand patients. So physicians just, just amaze me with this. <laughs> I said, okay, well, it's time to go see my cardiologist anyway. So I went back to the cardiologist, did an echo, and he called me back the next morning and said, yep, it's now severely leaking. It's time to do something about it. Wow. So even yeah. though it was severely leaking, I guess it had happened so gradually, you just didn't notice it? I didn't. Now, between those two years, I competed in multiple triathlons, including seven full Ironman triathlons. So I had no symptoms whatsoever. Wow. We talked through this with a cardiologist, and he said, because you were fit, because you were exercising regularly and, and keeping in good shape and had no other issues, your heart 
just was able to deal with leakage. Now, like most endurance athletes, you get a bit of a enlarged heart muscles and left ventricle starts to enlarge just from endurance sports. The walls get a little thick and he goes and that beats a little stronger. And that's just a function of endurance sports because that probably is what kept you from having any symptoms. Now, you know, I was getting a little slower in some of my races and some of my events and in talking to other folks and other specialists, they said, well, maybe that had something to do with it. But I didn't ever really feel anything. I had no erratic heartbeats, no arrhythmias, no AFib, no nothing. I was fine. Wow. So, yeah. So I was concerned, of course. Now they're, they're talking, well, we have to do open heart surgery. And I'm like, that doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I knew that's what I had to do, but I wasn't really thrilled about it. My stepfather had open heart surgery and had passed away from complications of it. So, of course, oh, that's the wow. first, yeah, first thing I, I, I thought about. Mm-hmm. Uh, about a month or so after his surgery, his aorta ruptured. And oh, that was dear. just, yeah, yeah, it was awful. So, but you know, he was in his seventies, he was older and not fit. And so, you know, I was going over this with my cardiologist and he had me go see a surgeon. So I started looking around for surgeons, dealing with all the medical insurance stuff you got to deal with and found right. a surgeon and, and locally at a hospital that came highly recommended. And so I met with the surgeon and he said, I've taken a look at your echo. I'm 99% sure you've got just a leak that needs to be repaired. You don't have to replace the valve. Oh, wow. Um, That's good yeah. news. Yeah, so that was that was very good news. It was encouraging. Mm-hmm. So this would have been about August of 2015. And I talked to the surgeon. I said, listen, I'm signed up for this Ironman race in July. Do you think I should go ahead and just get my medical forms together and cancel the race and get my money back? And he looks at me and goes, well, how many of these have you done? I said, well, I've done seven. So this will be my eighth race. He goes, and you're not having any symptoms or any, any issues now? I'm like, no. He goes, when do you have to start training for that race? I said, well, January is when normally when I start picking up the race, the race is in July. He goes, oh, oh you'll be fine. <laughs> and just kind of matter wow. of fact, you'll, you'll be fine. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay, you're going to solve my chest and stop my heart and fix it and put it all back together again and tell me I'll be fine to start training for this race in January. You're the boss. <laughs> wow. You're the so I'm like, okay, let's give it a shot. And I figured, you know, if I got to January and I wasn't doing well or something happened, uh, and he was, you know, gave me all the disclaimers, you know, anything had happened, we could get in there and yeah, find something yeah. else is wrong. And right, right. we made to replace the valves. We talked about which kind of valve I'd want to replace it with and whether a mechanical or a pig valve. We went through all the motions, but he was very confident. And that made me feel better that yeah. I was in good hands. I was in a good cardiac center here in New Jersey. And it was as comfort building experience as I probably could have gone through. So I make all the arrangements, and he said the same thing. He said, don't stop what you're doing. Keep exercising. I said, do I have to cut anything back? He goes, no, just keep doing what you're doing. You're healthy. You have no other issues. Don't stop. Whatever you're doing is working for you. Keep doing it. I had an angiogram scheduled for the Thursday. So the week before that, I had done a Grand Fondo bike ride and had no problems on that. His words were, we'll do an angiogram just to see if there's no blockage or anything else in there so we can fix it while we have the hood open. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love the way these doctors talk sometimes. You know, by them being that, I won't say lax, but, you know, familiar about it, it kind of takes away some of the scariness. It does. When I was going through this whole process, as amazing as it is, to think about what they're actually doing, it's become almost routine. And of course, I did whatever everybody says you shouldn't do is I Googled about the surgery and I looked at videos <laughs> of the surgery and I looked at all oh, the no. <laughs> Yeah, the videos of the surgery, I got about a third of the way through it and stopped. It's okay, I don't really see any more of that. Yeah. All the information I was reading about it and all the studies and stuff, there was you know a very high chance of success, a very high survival rate. It's almost like it's routine, even though it's probably one of the most invasive things you can do to a human body. It really is almost routine. And it's not that the medical staff treats it that way, 
but they're used to it. It's routine in the fact that they can address any issues as they appear. They know exactly what to do to take care of it. It's a very strict protocol for the surgery and the recovery bits, and it's all very well organized. Right. I had the angiogram. It came back clear, and the next morning, they had me prepped and ready for surgery. I think I was on the heart-lung machine. He said for about three and a half or four hours. Everything came out just about as expected. What they thought they were going to do is come in from the side, do a less invasive surgery between my ribs because they wanted to get me back upright and training as quickly as possible. And that was one of the things that was so amazing about the medical staff. Once they realized that I wanted to get back to my sports, they were all in about getting me back. I love that. It was. It was amazing. I'd heard horror stories from other folks who were told, oh, you'll never do that again. You'll be stuck to a couch. You're a cardiac cripple. That wasn't my experience in the least. Wow. Everyone was on board on the team and said, yep, we're going to get you up, we're going to get you moving, we're going to get you back to training, you're going to be just fine. And so they thought we'd come in through the side, and when they had me under, they did a trans-echo EKG and saw that I had a minor leak still in my aortic valve. Oh, wow. So you actually had two valves with problems. Yeah, although that one apparently is not an issue and it should never progress. And we're still monitoring that, but it should never get any worse. It's still a very, very small leak. So he said, you know, while they had me under, he said instead of coming in from the side and should something go wrong, then they'd have to stop doing the sternocotomy under emergency conditions. He said, let's just do the sternocotomy. And so when he came out of surgery and was talking to my family, he said, we had to come in through a sternocotomy. He's going to be upset. You know, it's going to put him about two weeks late of training. And when he finally, when I finally <laughs> saw the surgeon, I'm like, you know, if that's the worst thing that happens to me this whole time, I'm fine with that. Right, right, exactly. Another two weeks of recovery time. That's okay, just if you can fix it. So were they able to repair the valve, or did they end up having to replace it? Yes, they were. They were able to repair the valve. They did the normal valve repair. They snipped the piece out that was broken and closed it up with the annular ring and stitched me back up. You know, I came to in the cardiac care unit, and they got me back to my room a few hours later, and I was good to go. It was not something I want to do again, certainly. The nursing staff was wonderful. They had me off meds as fast as they could, and everything kind of progressed from there fairly normally. I had the surgery on Friday. I was home Tuesday afternoon. Wow, that's remarkable. So did they put you in a cardiac rehab program, or did they figure that you would have your own training program? That's funny because I was you know, in this cardiac care ward. And they had all these other folks in there from all different walks of life. It was really interesting hearing some of their stories. They had them in there for bypasses and stents and valve repairs and whatnot. And all of them were talking about, when can I start on cardiac rehab? When can I start on cardiac rehab? And I heard nothing from me. They didn't say anything about me. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do here? This is all new. I had no idea what I was going to do. Sure. I'm a triathlon coach as well. And so I figured I would oh. just kind of scale back one of my programs and maybe do it myself. And so I finally meet with my cardiologist about a week after the surgery. And he says, you know, everything looks good. And you came through it okay. And asked me how I'm feeling, all this stuff. And I finally get the question to him. And I said, when do I need cardiac rehab? He goes, did I say anything about cardiac rehab? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you look, he looks at me, he goes, you're going to find it boring because there's no reason for you to have it. They're going to go in there and have you do less than you were doing before you got into surgery. You know, you can do it. I'll prescribe it if you want it. But I think you know what to do and you can get back and do it yourself and just go by how you feel. Wow. And you're not the only athlete who has told me that. There have been a couple of other athletes also who really didn't have to go through cardiac rehab. They just went back to their own program. However, a couple of them did tell me that... They ended up talking to a coach, kind of like what you, since you're already a coach, you already know the routine, but to go back to a lower level and then build back up, that they couldn't go back exactly where they were. They had to go back a level or two and then slowly build up. 
Yeah, I think for me, I had to go back. It, it felt like I was going back almost to scratch because yeah. literally, yeah. It, you know, they said, get up, get moving, walks every day, several times a day, just go down to the end of the block and back. And sometimes it was like that. And so it was very much like starting from scratch as far as my aerobic fitness. After the 14 days or 18 days, they had me off from doing any lifting. That was just letting the bone heal. That was their biggest worry. And then they said, start up that. So I started back to a strength training at the gym I belonged to at the time. And that really helped. And then a week or so after that, I started swimming again. Swimming is my sport as a triathlete. That's the one thing I can do fairly well. The biking, fair to middling, and the running, not so much. But got back to swimming again. And that felt really good. At the time, I was swimming with a really supportive master's swim group. And they were all good to see me back. Of course, walking into the gym the first time, into the pool for the first time, you know, in a bathing suit with this huge scar open on my chest, it was a little intimidating at first, but everyone was very welcoming. I mean, you could walk to the locker room and all you see these eyes start widening when they see this bright red badge in the middle of your chest. But everyone was very welcoming about it, and very supportive. So I got in the pool and started swimming again and just getting back into some regular training really, really helped. And so my training progressed just fine and didn't have any particular setbacks at all. I mean, I was probably a textbook case as far as this surgery goes. I had no complications. They had me on blood pressure meds for a while for just preventative. And finally, I asked him, can you please take me off this stuff? I was having dizzy spells. From Every time I stood up, my blood pressure would drop. I'd get dizzy. And I said, I just don't need that. They monitored it and they said, yeah, your blood pressure is running a little high. And it had all my life. It would run high. I have a family history of that. They said, we'll monitor it. And actually, since then, it's been almost two years. It's been a little over two years now. My blood pressure has gotten a little bit lower. So perhaps that was a side benefit of the repair. Right. Yeah, maybe so. Tonight Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. The most common theme that I hear is why. She always needed um, a lot of attention. She had strokes. Even though it's a natural inclination to withdraw from the CHD community, I think being a part of it to help me be part of the solution. Heart to Heart with Michael. Please join us every Thursday at noon Eastern. I'm Michael Eben, and I'll be your host as we talk with people from around the world who have experienced those most difficult moments. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Anna. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our show, please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna. Tell me what being a cardiac athlete means to you. Wow, it's kind of an amazing experience. So when I was going through this, I was also coaching a master's group of swimming. And when I was telling them what I had to go through, because I was going to have to be out for <laughs> several weeks, they put me in touch with Laura Fucci, who's also a cardiac athletes member. And Laura got a hold of me and told me all about the cardiac athletes group. And I immediately got on their Facebook group. I'm a big social media guy. And really, that was kind of opened my eyes to 
all the people who have gone through this and were able to get back to where we were. Because that was my biggest fear is I wasn't going to be able to get back to do the racing again. I really wasn't concerned. You know, I was a middle of the packer at best. I never really was ever on a podium, but I really enjoyed the spirit. I really enjoyed the camaraderie. I really enjoyed the training and just the fitness benefits. I liked being able to get on my bike and ride it for five or six hours. I liked being able to get out and run for three or four hours if I wanted to. I just felt that was a big part of my life. I made it a big part of my life and my lifestyle kind of revolved around that. And I wanted to get back to that at whatever capacity I had. I didn't want to be left sitting on the sidelines watching folks do what I enjoyed doing. And so becoming a member of that group was really eye-opening. It really gave me the confidence to get back and really go after my training again as hard as I wanted to and get back to the racing again. And then I wanted to also participate in more of the forum. So I got in there, was telling my story about my recovery and what I was doing for my training and how things were going well and when things weren't going well. and was able to share that. I think I helped some other folks out. Becoming part of that community was a big, big part of my recovery. Being able to give back to the group was helpful as well. I love that. I love that. Well, would you be taking part in Lars's new book? Yes, I will. I told him that I would love to be part of that book, and I'm slowly uh, tapping away at the keyboard, writing up the story, and hopefully we'll have a draft text over to him in the next few weeks. That's fabulous. So if any of you listeners are interested, Lars's book is available on Amazon.com, and I will have a link, so you can check out the link. I think this is really going to be an interesting book. I've already interviewed quite a few of the athletes who are contributing to the book, and there's a wide variety of cardiac conditions that will be described in this book. Yeah, that's great. It was eye-opening for me right after I got home from surgery when I got the book and read it. It was eye-opening to me how many different people got through this with all these different cardiac issues and how they really came through much, much worse situations. Like I said, mine was pretty textbook, but the other folks were having just horrific secondary conditions and medical histories and all sorts of multiple cardiac procedures, and they were all persevering. And for me, kind of exemplified a phrase that I all the time called relentless forward progress. These folks put their mind to a goal to get back to the racing or even start their endurance sports careers and were just dead set on getting to that goal. And it was through that relentless forward progress that got them to where they wanted to be, got them to recovery, got them to where they progress in their sport. And that was just a key for me. So it was a fascinating, fascinating read. And I'm so proud to be part of the next book. Yeah, that sounds great. And I love what you said, because to me, that shows the mind-body connection and how you can, if you set your mind to do something, you can persevere, even in spite of your body not doing what you want it to. <laughs> exactly right. With you athletes, you have fine-tuned your body so much. It must be even more frustrating when you can't do what you used to be able to do. So I admire the fact that not only are you guys going through this and working so hard to get back, but you're all lifting each other up as you're doing it. And to me, I find that just so inspiring. It really is. It's been an amazing group, and I've just been so blessed to be able to have a group of family and friends and then a tribe of folks from cardiac athletes supporting me the whole time. It's just been a wonderful experience. We felt like you're being held up by this big group. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for coming on the program today, Greg. Thank you, Anna. It's been great. Thanks for listening today, friends. Please come back next week when we'll be featuring another cardiac athlete. And until then, my friends, remember, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. 
Heart to Heart with Anna is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.congenitalheartdefects.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more.